0: Thanks worship team, and Bethany thanks for hosting us through this service. Man, y'all were singing. (laughs) Y'all were singing. I have a a deep desire to worship uh, through music. I do love it whenever I hear our church singing in unison and and in beautiful harmony. It's It's a wonderful thing. If I haven't had a chance to introduce myself to you, my name's David, and uh, I'm really, really glad that you decided to either walk in or tune in today. I am really uh, serious about this. I want to follow Jesus, and I want to follow Him well. Um, He said in his teachings, he said that there's some good words that could come at the end of that effort, and that is, well done, good, faithful servant. I want to hear those words, so that's, that's what I'm after. And that's why we, uh, you know, i got a group around me that uh, keeps me humble. Is that how we would say that? If they ever put me on a pedestal, it's only so that I can see over the crowd. That's the only reason they put me on a pedestal. Which they do not put me on a pedestal. I love working with uh, Bethany and Tanya on a daily basis. And uh, we love you guys. And we, we try to figure out uh, through prayer, observation, wisdom, what direction should we be going Some months ago, while we were doing some uh, praying and planning, um, somehow we came across, you know what, not not only what Jesus would say, but what would Jesus post. And I'm just telling you, it lit those two up. And they said, you should do a a series on that. I'm like, oh, I should, should I? And they said, yes, we're God's voice to you and you should do that. (laughs) So it's been percolating and if you were with us last week, you go, you came in kind of, you came in hot last Sunday. Some of the online uh, uh, parts of Rock Springs, uh, people that are a part of our trustee team that are in uh, different parts of the world, <laughs> he said, should have worn my steel-toed boots uh, last Sunday. Folks, I hope you always know, I never think that uh, fussing is a good way to motivate people. It doesn't do much. But sometimes you do have to get pretty sober about some things because it's urgent. And the issues in which we uh, communicate and use social media is very urgent. The times are upon us in which uh, there's so much division in every area of life as we know it. And I truly believe the only solution to that is the local church and a bunch of ragtag believers like you and me who take it seriously that we want to hear Jesus say, well done. And that means we have to operate differently. We have to operate in the opposite direction of what social media typically is after. Because it's become a situation in which anybody can take anything in any word and we begin arguments and division over every single thing. And the Bible is very clear that any attitude that causes disunity is sin. We've got to avoid it. But it's not just what do we stay away from, it's how do we embrace a tool that is so powerful for influencing people as well as just getting the word out to people that Jesus loves them. So these are the things that have been driving me. I don't think I'm coming in quite as hot this time because I'm not coming with a whole bunch of statistics and all that, but I do encourage you very strongly, not because I said it, but because it's true, go back and check out that message in the archives on the Church Center app and do yourself a favor. You go, I'm not into social media. I know that may be true for you. But somebody that you love, a friend, a child, or particularly one of your grandchildren needs to hear what I told you last week, and let's work together in this. Y'all got that? Okay, cool. Now, last Sunday, we kicked that off, and I do say hope that you sense the urgency behind it, but really what it comes down to is those two simple words that I led off with last week, and that is from 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, and that is, imitate Christ, imitate Christ. What did Jesus do? How did he do it? Why did he do it? Imitate Christ. But here's the question that I want to pose to you, and this is the kind of ornery question that I'm sure you have, or maybe uh, you will have now, because I'm ornery. I've been asking it all my life whenever they say, you should follow Jesus, you be like Jesus, you should imitate Jesus. Well, does that mean that I'm supposed to grow a beard? Because I'm up a creek without a paddle, y'all. I can't. It doesn't work. It, it just looks, it looks horrible. Now, if you mean uh, to be like Jesus means I get to wear a robe and sandals, well, I'll go with the sandals, but it's going to be with a T-shirt and uh, some swim trunks because if I can get any place where it's warm, that's what I'll be dressed like. And some of you have seen me on baptism day when I'm wearing that kind of thing, and all I can hear you say is, please cover that up. Um, (laughs) Does imitating Christ mean that you have to learn Aramaic, Greek, and Hebrew? Because that's the three languages he probably was uh, familiar with and spoke and communicated in. Does imitating Christ mean that everybody has to be a carpenter? Or better, uh, we often refer to him as a carpenter, but he was probably more of a stonemason, a builder, contractor. Which, way to go all you builder types. I don't know what we'd do without you. Thank you so much. You keep us, you know, out from the snow and the cold weather and stuff. I don't think that's what our ambition should be. Is not those kinds of imitations, but the imitation of how did he follow God? How did he show us who God is? How did he tell us what life really is like? Because really what we do here online, in person, is what we're trying to do is go back to see the one who originated life tells us what life is like. And so we go back to what he says so that we get a legitimate true take picture point of view on what life is like because lord knows especially with uh, the uh, advent of the internet and social media uh, there are so many kinds of worldviews that come at you from so many different directions and just because someone speaks loud that's what i said last week the, the the content is not the important thing in social media it's the volume but volume doesn't always indicate what is true so how do we go back and pick up what is true When Jesus walked around and interacted with human beings, as he still does through our voices and through our actions, because he says we're his hands and feet, what he said was, follow me. If you go back and look at who he said, follow me, issued that invitation to, he, he, he invited people who had lots of church background, like myself. People who had zero church background, but had political ambitions, maybe like you. He talked to people where they were and simply said, follow me. He didn't even start off with, obey me. He just said, follow me. I think The Chosen, and if you haven't seen it, I really highly recommend that you do. It's not intended to replace the Bible, but it just gives you a vivid picture of what does that look like when someone who is extraordinary like Jesus Christ says things and you scratch your head going, that's not what my mama taught me. That's not what my granddaddy always did. And yet you watch him and you see that what he says is true and it lines up with life. And it lines up with the way that, 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 that something in your soul is going, yeah, yeah, yeah. What are you supposed to do with that? Well, that's what he always did. He said, follow me. And then he'd say things like, will you trust me? And he'd put you on the spot, so to speak, and say, it's either going to be your way or my way. He didn't force it. He just said, what's it going to be? And that's when people like Peter, who he, you know, I don't know if any of you ever do this. Does your mouth ever start moving before your brain gets into gear? Yeah? Okay. And yet Jesus asked him to be the number one guy. I love it, is that he finally came to a spot to where Jesus says, you know, it's, it's either fish or cut bait time. Uh, and Peter said... I really do want to go away because you confound me. But then he says, but where would I go? Because only you have the words of life. That's where he moves you from following to trusting to obeying. And that's where the rubber meets the road. But with me? That's not even in the notes. That's so just coming from my heart. My heart. He said, look, listen, Watch. Ask questions. I'm just telling you, Jesus is resilient. You can come up with all kinds of questions, but I guarantee you someone has already challenged him on that, that point. It's okay. He's tough. Ask some tough questions. How does this work in my business life, in my sex life, in my money life, in my family life? How does this work in my social media life? Because it's not, a, 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 I'm not going to turn to, a, you know, the book of Hezekiah, which For those of you who are not familiar with the 66 books, there is no Hezekiah, okay. (laughs) I'm not gonna be able to turn to one particular place and say these are the five steps that you should obey when it comes to your engagement with social media. If, if, If social media is our marketplace and the town square, what we're basically saying in this series is we ought to behave this way at home. When we go to Walmart, when we go to City Market, while we're driving. Ooh, went from preaching to meddling in one... you get on social media, are you doing what Jesus would do if he picked up his iPhone and opened up social media? And some of you are still stuck. I don't think he'd do that. Well, I think he would. So. And I got the microphone, so that's what I'm going to do. Because I think when we start truly hearing what he said and clearly seeing why he did what he did and then what he was trying to do to point people to God so that we could have that, that relationship, yes, It's going to require some things, and I need to stand up and say this, not that it'll make me any taller, but I will tell you this. If you come to Jesus and you do what I've just tried to lay out in front of you, there will be some things that have to change in your life. It goes back to this. We will keep throwing open the doors and telling about God's grace because he loves you just the way you are. But listen to the second half. But he loves you way too much to leave you that way. He will not get rid of your personality. He will not change who he created you to be, but he will redeem you. And I'm just telling you, redemption often goes to fire. And there are things that whenever you're put into the fire uh, and the tests of life, but he's right there beside you, a lot of the stuff that doesn't matter burns off and the real you starts to shine through even more. And it is not always pleasant. Anybody who tells you, come to Jesus and your life's going to be like a bed of roses. (laughs) They didn't tip up the thorns that are in there. Yeah, it's a good way to start off, you know. It's going to require some change. And sometimes the change means repentance, which you hear that as a church word. You think about the guy, you know, repent, the kingdom of God is at hand. You know, the sky's falling and all that. There is an element of that, but repentance, the literal word, means to make a U-turn. I was going the wrong direction, but I repented of that bad direction, and I turned around and went the right direction. And sometimes the best move you can make is to turn around and back. Bethany was referring to it earlier. This whole idea of surrender feels awfully weak, and yet I think it's one of the strongest things you can possibly do. Sometimes it requires you to relearn some things. I was talking to a friend this week. I am so sickeningly over-churched. I've got so much church it just oozes out and then it stinks. It's just awful. Okay? You can learn lots of things, but you have to go back and keep checking. Is that what Scripture says? Is that what Scripture says? Because churches of all stripes... Start adding on, taking away, doing all these kinds of things and making this equal with that. And there are just some crucial things. Sometimes you have to relearn. You have to relearn. Sometimes you have to learn things you never knew before. I will tell you this, there is a lot of replacement that goes on in a Christ follower's life. Because whenever you take something out that was inferior and you then have to put in what is true, you have to get used to... Well, I'm not used to that. It's like in soccer, they say it's like playing on your left foot. It doesn't feel comfortable, but it doesn't make it wrong. You just have to learn how to live life the way Jesus asked you to live it. Of course, you know, you and I are not first generation to ever wrestle with this concept of imitating Christ. Not by a long shot. We're definitely not the first to to ask the question... um, What would Jesus do? In fact, WWJP is a play on words from something you may already know, and that is WWJD, which is what would Jesus do? Okay, That actually has a pretty long history, if you know all of that stuff. Um, It's it's, it's been such a part of our language in America. Um, I'm telling you, WWJP is a play on words of WWJD, but now what would Jesus do has been co-opted into our language. There's actually a line... And it's 5 o'clock somewhere. What would Jimmy Buffett do? (laughs) I know that song too. (laughs) I love this one. I heard it from a friend this past week. He said, I heard this uh, WWJD thing. What would Jesus do? This guy was trying to live that way. And he said uh, he was walking down the street. He found a $20 bill just laying out there. Nobody had picked it up. So he leaned down and picked up that $20 bill. And since that was on his mind, he said, So WWJD, what would Jesus do? And then he went and turned that $20 bill into one. (laughs) Not exactly sure that's what that should have been, but I thought it was funny. The phrase actually entered our language in 1896 through a book by C. Sheldon It's called *In His Steps*, worth to read. Before that, though, there was a guy. He's a—you uh, might have heard of him if you've been around church at all. He was a fairly well-known preacher. His name was Charles Spurgeon. He floated the question in some of his messages. But he's actually standing on the shoulders of somebody who lived back in the 1400s, Thomas Kempis. Whenever he wrote in Latin, he wrote *The Imitation of Christ*. But it was actually popularized to where we know about it from a youth group. I think they were in Pennsylvania. Um, They created some wristbands that had WWJD on it. So what would Jesus do? What would Jesus post? Because the bigger question is, how should we then live if we are following Christ? How should we engage with our culture? And one of the best ways or easiest ways to engage with our culture is is uh, through social media how should we participate our post on social media again let me just hit you with a few short ideas and then i want to throw uh, three of them out uh, this week that could be very very useful to you if i were shooting from the hip one of the things i would say without a doubt because you can go back and check everything that's written in red letters in the bible i think if we're going to engage with our culture you've got to avoid echo chambers and echo chambers are in our culture. It doesn't matter whether you're talking face-to-face at any particular gathering or whether you're on social media. Anytime you get into a situation where you say something and someone is exactly echoing what you just said and then you echo back the exact same thing they said, it's a very, very dangerous place to be. It's the same kind of thing that I've seen not only in our marriage in years past, is that you get into an echo chamber in which you, you either support or tear one another apart just because that's what it sounds like. Or, I'm just telling you, if you and your friend or your spouse or your child or whatever, if you agree on every single aspect of life and point of view, then one of you is irrelevant. <laughs> God did not create us to be uniform. He called us to be in unity. And unity takes us to the spot to where we say, you know, I don't see eye to eye with you on that fact. that point of view but I because Christ loves me just the way I am but he loves me too much to leave me that way I am not going to let it separate us from walking arm in arm with each other I think if we're going to engage with our culture you have to make the choice before you engage in any kind of conversation that you you literally say to yourself I am going to be unoffendable you cannot offend me you can't offend me because I have already been forgiven of every offense that I have thrown into the face of Almighty Holy God and He loves me just the way I am. But He loves me way too much to lead me that way. And so you may say stuff that I think is crazy, but you can't make me not love you. You can make it harder for me to love you, but you can't make me not love you. As I last week, I think it's always wise to take this advice from Jesus. Go count how many questions He asked. Ask questions, not just to try and bait people to to say something that you can argue with. Ask questions, how are you? What have you been through? If they say something that you disagree with, kindly say, could you tell me more about why you feel that way? And then sit there, take another sip of coffee. As long as you're drinking coffee, you can't talk back. And you don't have to agree, but their experience is their experience, and it colors their life just like your experiences color, color, color yours. That's why, in the end, if they are willing with you, you've got to go back to what is true. And truth is not what you and I declare, it is what God has already said is true. And you come to that, and I'm just telling you, just like Tanya was saying about, about uh, how, it, how, how can lives change when you sit and talk about what's going on in your life, it's because you give Jesus room to actually do the work that only He can do. Because as much as I would love to say that my brute force, determination, my overwhelming good looks and my winsome personality is what wins people to Jesus. I don't know why people always laugh at that. (laughs) Say it with such sincerity. I can't change you. Your spouse can't change you. But there is someone who can redeem you. In fact, he already has. You just need to take him up on his offer. Let God be God. And you be the hands and feet of Jesus. How about? I'm just saying point to something and you've got some common ground. I mean if it's like you know I can't see eye to eye with you but you have blue eyes and so do I. we got at least one thing. I just say one of your best moves in social media stop making declarations about anything. Because Jesus waded into his town square and he tried to engage the crowds. If you're going to do that same kind of thing I believe we are called to wade right into our crowds and like him, he didn't chase them, he didn't shun them, he simply invited them and he got into conversations with them. And when they showed up, I love this, and I just really noticed this this week when I noticed how he'd he'd engage. When when they showed up to his invitation, he actually gave them the good stuff. He would tell them, God loves you. He would say, let me meet a, a, a very visible need. He'd say, let me give you some news that you can use. Are you hungry? Let me see if I can't give you some food. He'd bring healing into places where there was brokenness. He would listen. And then when he spotted individual people who were making a move in faith toward him, he would take it out of the crowd, out of the social media, and he would, he'd move in their direction. And you know what their direction usually wound up at? A dinner table. It's not a coincidence that one of the first things you can do it's all about Recovery You come to down and eat with somebody. Jesus also understood you can keep saying lots of things just like I can. I can put, I can put a, a microphone on the side of my head and I can talk to a bunch of people all at one time in person and online. But I cannot develop a relationship this way. I can set direction. Jesus knew that. He said, I'm going this direction. But he knew the limit of engaging with the crowd. He had to move it from the marketplace to the, to the dinner table. And I'm asking you, if you're taking what I'm saying seriously in this series, how can you use Your interaction on social media to do the same kind of thing, how can you follow that pattern? That does beg the question, is there anything we should be cautious about in social media? Are there things we should avoid? Are there things we should embrace? Yes, just like the rules of the road. I don't know if you've ever thought about guardrails. When I moved to Colorado, I found... Colorado right, doesn't put up enough guardrails when it comes to mountains as far as I'm concerned. Because I grew up in Flatland, and I'm like, whoo, that is a long way down right there. Okay. If you think about things that we need as we travel this information superhighway of social media, as we think about what Jesus post, what are the guardrails that he would have? Because if you stop and think about it, technically a guardrail is a system that keeps vehicles from straying into dangerous territory. And watch what I'm doing here, because this is true. The guardrail is not protecting its own ground. That's not what's the problem, because like I said in Colorado, there are some curves on mountain curves that you go, there should be one right there. But you can get over there pretty close, because, you know, the rock's pretty solid. At least that's what they tell me, okay? But the point of a guardrail is to keep vehicles from straying into, or better yet, beyond where the guardrail sits. A guardrail is not saying, don't drive in this area. It's saying, if you drive past this area, you're in a heap of trouble. Because the danger is the real estate that's on the other side of the guardrail. Like oncoming traffic, or a curve, or a mountainside, or a bridge. I'm really, really glad. I don't know if you've ever driven across those, 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 those bridges that cross the Mississippi River. Eegad. Big bridge. I'm really glad they've got guardrails. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A guardrail will do less damage to you or to your vehicle if you hit it than if you actually hit what's on the other side of the guardrail. Is everybody clear? Okay. So that's what I want us to do. I'm going to give you three today that I see in Jesus' life, and then we'll wrap it up with four more next week. Okay? Today, one of the guardrails for online participation as I see it in the life of Jesus is number one, be authentic. Which all of this comes back to, this is what we do as a church. We're trying to figure out, what did God say about who we are? We live in an an age in which everybody says, I identify as this. Okay, identity doesn't work that way. Human identity is what it is. And in its purest form, our identity, we finally understand, is given to us by God. Okay? What we do is take what he's given us and refine it to look more like him and to draw closer to God. What I'm saying is, before you ever sign on, before you ever open up whatever social media platform you like to use, or all of them, who are you? Because you need to be authentically the same wherever you go all the time. Right? Yeah, I got an amen out of that. When I was younger, I tried to pretend to be two or three different kinds of people depending on the group I was with. That's exhausting. It's exhausting. Just be you. You do you, boo. Okay? See, I'm on social media. I've heard that. Brad Paisley wrote a song that includes these lyrics. He says, I get home, I kiss my mom, and she fixes me a snack, and I head down to my basement bedroom and fire up my Mac. In real life, the only time I've ever been to L.A. was when I got the chance with a marching band to play tuba in the Rose Parade. But oh, online. I live in Malibu. I pose for Calvin Klein. I've been in GQ. I'm single and I'm rich, and, got, and i got a set of six-pack abs that'll blow your mind. I'm so much cooler online. You may not play that game, but there is a lot of posturing that goes on on social media. Most of it's called or spelled filters. (laughs) Some of them are just absolutely mind-blowing and goofy. Saw one the other day with this woman who's apparently an influencer in beauty and cosmetics. She says, you need to know that depending on what I'm trying to market to you, I use seven different filters, and she stepped from all of them in to stepping each one of them out to where she actually looked like a human being. She said, don't forget, not all you see online is exactly as it truly is. It's not just a girl thing. It's, it's, it's the same for all of us. Because what Brad Paisley was trying to do is illustrating the danger zone of pretending. We want to role play because pride puffs us up. I'm, I'm 10 feet tall and bulletproof. What I am asking of you is no matter whether you're on social media or you're just going into to interaction with people on a day-to-day basis, build a guardrail of authenticity. Determine from God who you are and live that way. It's okay. He's got you. In other words, do you walk the walk? Or as I said a couple of weeks ago, it's not do you walk the walk, do you walk His walk? And not just do you talk the talk, do you talk his talk? Do you post his post? (coughs) These are difficult things, but we've got to wrestle with them because it's vital to know who you are so that you can look confidently in front of God and, and, and everybody, but also remember who you are when you're interacting with him, with other people. If you know who you are, I think you're going to be much more aware and mindful of what you actually say or engage with online. Because you want it to match who you are. Is everybody with me on that? I mean, I did. Jesus said it this way. He said, be especially careful. This is from Matthew 6, 1. Be especially careful. I love this. When you're trying to be good. When you're aspiring to do the right thing, be especially careful when you are trying to be good so that you don't make a performance out of it. I love this, because this is a message paraphrase, and he's just getting at what the, the, the heart of this. He says, "It might be good theater, but the God who made you will not be applauding." Why? Because he knows you just worth it all. But here's the beauty: The one who knows you best loves you most, so you don't have to pretend. Just be you. Mm-hmm. I think, I'm just telling you, this principle is what prompted me to do the 24 series that we just came out of. Because if you're going to know who you are, you need to spend time with God in the morning, during the day, and the night. Simply spend your time with God so that you can calibrate your life correctly because the only way you know who you are is to go to Him, but then you find out, I am in God because of Jesus Christ and I was made by God so that I could live for God in this world. If you work it right, I'm told, because I've never done this, but I've worked with people who've gotten themselves in a heap of trouble. If you work it right, you can be anyone you want to be on the Internet. With enough VPNs, weird uh, handles, or whatever, you can be anything you want to be on on social media and no one will ever know. And you can work at whatever that is you're trying to do online. Uh, You can work very hard and remain anonymous. But here's the thing, is that without a verifiable identity in life, we lack accountability in life. And you need to be very, very careful of that. I'm talking to the younger people mostly on this one. Because if you don't have accountability, if you don't have, if you don't have, if I do not have accountability with others, this is what we've seen over the last 10 to 15 years, is the social norms of respect start to break down. The things that you can do through social media that you cannot do in real life is you can't fake your way through everything in real life. Oh, sorry, IRL. Um, If you don't have accountability with others in your communication, the social norms of respect break down in conversations, and they break down very quickly. I don't know if you've ever read the rather dreadful book, The Lord of the Flies, but The Lord of the Flies, it doesn't take long to get there every man for himself you say what are you talking about i don't know whether i should recommend this or not but just go to anything anything and go just dive right into the comments because that's more fun than a barrel of monkeys man (laughs) people picking fights over one word that somebody shared i was talking to my friends like the word was was uh, uh, uh relationships People jump into ridicule and condemnation, name-calling and grandstanding stuff. You, I don't think you'd do it in person because you'd literally get slugged. But, you know, if you're not anonymous, you can also, like I said, you can shape some sort of image. An image that doesn't look like you, that doesn't even reflect who you really are. But, yeah, I, am, I did bring some statistics because this one, I was, got this from Tanya. It's like the stats on selfies. The word selfie didn't even, it didn't even exist before 2010. The, 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 the term showed up when the iPhone 4 was introduced because of the first smartphone that had a front-facing camera. Well, that was a red-letter day. Now, this is from 22. I haven't gotten the statistics from 23. Out of the 92 million selfies that are taken every single day four percent i got that wrong 92 million photos taken four percent of all those photos taken which is uh 2.3 billion uh daily no i got it right i wrote it down so many different ways there are this blows my mind 2.3 billion photos are taken every day in america on their phones Of those, 92 million of them are selfies. People have a lot of extra time on their hands is what I say. (laughs) This is sad and funny at the same time. And in 22, 43 people died while taking a selfie. And the two places was falling off cliffs and getting bitten by sharks. Not at the same time. Yeah, in 22, there were 33,000 people with enough injury to take them to the hospital while taking a selfie. This next part is not a surprise. Men are three times more likely to die while taking a selfie than the girls. (laughs) There's all kinds of reasons for that. But anyway... Uh, The average selfie taker is 24 years old and females take one and a half times more than males. Here's the interesting thing about the whole selfie and taking photographs. 41% of people hate the way they look in a photo. And yet we keep taking photos. Like I told you, filters, big deal, uh, is a big deal. 25% of people say, yeah, I edit or filter. But... There's somebody who loves this. Plastic surgeons since 2010 report 13% increase in procedures and people state the reason I want this is I have to look better in my selfies. Just saying. My point is, is the gravity of our depravity always pulls us to pretend. Always. People around Jesus were pretending. Why? Because if we compartmentalize then I can behave one way here and pretend in a different way over there. Like I said, social media is not, by any stretch, the only place it happens. I've been around churches all my life. People pretend at church. Did you know that? We have a word for it. And we're quick to do it because if you haven't been pretending or if you've been pretending so good that people don't know you're pretending, you can stand up and say, you're a hypocrite. You know, hypocrite is a Greek word that comes from actors. Because then, if you'd have a cast of five people in the play, there were only two people playing it. they go behind the stage and put on a different mask. Hypocritos means to change your face. But see, I don't think we ought to be hypocrites. I think we ought to imitate Christ. And we got to keep practicing. Because Jesus actually instructs me and you to live honestly before God and before people. What you see is what you get. I will tell you a lot of differences between, or a couple of differences between being a hypocrite in church versus being a hypocrite on social media. If you're a hypocrite on social media, your hypocrisy is permanent. It will never go away. In social media, our mistakes are not only uh, you know, the same mistakes, but the, your mistakes that are, are, are then revealed online have much, much more severe repercussions. That, I mean, I don't have it in your notes, but Solomon said, as dead flies cause even a bottle of perfume to stink, so a little foolishness spoils great wisdom and honor. Benjamin Franklin said, it only takes, I mean, it takes many good deeds to build a reputation, but the only, it only takes one bad one to lose it. Jesus said build a good solid guardrail in your life by being real, by being authentic and don't role play online or IRL. Spend time with God. Spend time with God's people. Bring an authentic self into how you post. You don't have to show everything that you know and all your warts. But do not pretend to be someone that you are not. Because over time, that if you do the honest thing, if you do the authentic thing over time, it will be your... It will be your reputation, and you will likely gain respect from other people, and they will want to know why do you live the way that you do. Proverbs twenty-two one says, "A good name is more desirable than great riches, and to be esteemed or respected is better than than silver or gold." I'm just the way I see it is that because of the power of the tool of social media, if you're not prepared with authenticity and some other guardrails, the power of social media is often very similar to giving a circular saw to a three-year-old. Somebody's going to get hurt. Kind of like this guy I read about, his name is Scott. Yeah, good, good, good young amen. It's kind of like this guy, his name was Scott. This happened in 2011. Scott was from Detroit, he was 28 years old. He was in digital marketing and his company was working with a fabulous client known as Chrysler. One day, Scott was on his way and under a lot of pressure because he was late for a meeting because uh, he was stuck in Detroit traffic. So to vent his stru- frustration because it was stop and go and mostly it was stop, he picks up his phone, he posts this on X, and he said, I find it ironic that Detroit is known as Motor City and yet no one here knows how to dot, dot, dot drive. That actually sounds like something I would do. Maybe you would feel that way too. The problem was, is that because he was in the business he was in, he had multiple accounts on X. He thought he was in his personal account on X. Instead, he opened up his official X account of his client, Chrysler. And the moment he hit post, his momentary gripe about traffic was was transmitted to hundreds of thousands of followers of Chrysler as if it was an official communication of the Chrysler company. Whoa! Not a huge surprise, Scott was let go that day. (laughs) But the pain actually got worse because when Chrysler chose not to renew its contract to Scott's employer, a lot of his co-workers lost their jobs too. It's hard. I'm just saying. This matters because our reputation and our respect is one of the most valuable things we possess, like Solomon said. So that leads us to the second guardrail, and that is think before (laughs) you post. Think before you post. Think before you speak. Think before you communicate. This is good wisdom. It's the carpenter's rule. Cut white. I mean, measure twice. Cut once. See, this is why we need a carpenter's rule, because preachers get involved. Um, measure twice, cut once. But what's fighting against you is the moment you open up Facebook, what is the statement that says at the top of the page? What's on your mind? That is a strategic move. Because I told you last week, the more they can know of what's on your mind, the more they can sell your information to the people who want to know it. We did have a conversation, me and a friend. I'm still not convinced that they're not listening in because there are some things that pop up and you go, I don't remember posting about that. I'm just telling you, all the social media platforms invite you to comment. They invite you to share, to show us what you're eating, which did we have a lack in humanity prior to? I've got to post what my eggs look like today. It's like, this doesn't matter. If you love beautifully prepared food, take pictures, but you don't have to share it. For one thing, if I ever see it, it's like, I'm hungry. You are being a very bad influence on (laughs) me. But the point of what they're trying to do is they're trying to say to you, I'm talking about the social media companies, they want you to pretend as though you are sitting around with all of your friends and you're discussing this. But then it becomes unmanageable because all 413 of your friends cannot be at the same table. Besides, all 413 of those people are not your friend. Not in the truest sense. But that's how social media companies want you to think of it. Just make it spontaneous. Just make it informal and filter chit-chat with friends. And yet, that's not the way human communication works. You don't do that when you go to Walmart. You don't talk that way in city market. And you know what? I've looked and I've looked and try as I might, I have never found any of the social media platforms, any of them encouraging us to, you should think twice before you hit post. Never seen one of them say, you know, today I think you should show some restraint. I've never seen a single one of them, you know, saying, good advice. Share less about your thoughts and feelings and activities today than you did yesterday. But you get very different instruction from God. Proverbs 15, 28 says, the heart of the godly thinks carefully before speaking, posting. And it, 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 like we discovered last time, uh, it's not a bad motive in and of itself, but their motive is money. And you need to remember that if you are not the customer, if you're not paying them, you're the product. They consider all of your data points just like pure gold. I'm just telling you, they don't know you, and they couldn't care less about your soul. And then there are some people who've tried to harness this because they care deeply about your soul because they want to shape your soul. But God's motive is always clear, pure. He wants to bring you closer to him. He wants you to look more like his son Jesus in, in character. And simply stated, he wants to give you true wisdom on how to live wisely, to live well. You know, he, if you come to Jesus, and I hope if you don't know Jesus already, you come to him and you bow the knee to him and say, I need you to be the forgiver and leader of my life. He will give you a new life and he will give you a better life. But he will also show you how to be better at life if you'll pay attention to him. Isn't it interesting that we're here in 2024, but some 3,000 years ago, a guy by the name of Solomon wrote this. He said, I love this because this applies so... (laughs) like, did he know about social media? Proverbs 18, 2. This is in the International Children's Bible. This is about as basic as you can get. A foolish person does not want to understand anything. He only enjoys telling others what he thinks. That sounds like the general state of social media right now. They don't want to understand anything. Just want to tell you what I think. Words mean things, y'all, whether they're spoken or whether they're typed. Words carry weight. And I don't care what any children's rhyme says. Words will break your bones. They'll do far worse. They can wound, but words can also heal. They have the power to heal. I'm just telling you, your friends might not catch everything about everything you ever say when you share online, but I'm telling you, the God who loves you doesn't miss a thing. Because he knows the content of your heart as well as what you just did with your thumbs. It is recorded by Matthew that Jesus said, I tell you on the day of judgment, you will have to give an account for every careless word you speak. And as if that weren't, bad enough, he says, for by your words you will be justified and by your words you will be condemned. Yep. That's the general response to everything I'm telling you today. Okay? It's like, please, please stop poking on the bruise. I'm just saying, being slow to speak, being slow to post not only gives you margin it helps you avoid saying stupid stuff, and we are all capable of saying stupid stuff. Got to get an amen on that. Amen. It also gives your words more force and more impact when you wait to say the right thing at the right time. Proverbs twenty-five, eleven. it's not in your notes. It says the right word at the right time is like a custom made piece of jewelry. Because a wise friend's timely reprimand is like a gold ring slipped on your finger. It's valuable. It lasts. In all of my years of living and then, of course, working with people, I've come to agree with Jesus' brother. His name was James. He said, if you can control one of the tiniest muscles in your body, that is your tongue, or in this case, if you can control your thumbs, you can pretty well bring your whole life under control. He dropped a truth bomb. This is the way he said it. He said, it only takes a spark to set off a forest fire. A careless or wrongly placed word out of your mouth can do that too. He said, you know what? By our speech, we can ruin the world. We can turn harmony to chaos. We can throw mud on a reputation. We can send the whole world up in smoke and go up in smoke with it. And he didn't let up either. Smoke right from the pit of hell. W-W-J-P. I say put up a guardrail of authenticity like Jesus did, because what you saw is what you got. Put up a guardrail of thoughtfulness and wisdom. Think about your words, and then let your words reflect love. God's love for you and God's love through you, which leads us to... Uh, here in just a minute, I want to give you something that you can use this way. Uh, this, this, this goes through this whole series. Ephesians 4.29, do not let any wholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful, only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that, 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 that your words may actually benefit those who listen. Okay, Huge, huge verse. Should, uh, I highly recommend you memorize that one. But here's a quick test. probably heard it before, but good fill in the blanks. Quick test on whether your words are good, go before you hit post, and that is T H I N K. T. Are these words true? Is what I'm about to say true? And I don't mean you, it's your truth. I'm saying, is it true? H. Is what I'm about to post or say, is it helpful? I. Is what I'm about to post or say, is it inspiring? In other words, does it put the wind of God, this breath of God, into a person's life? In, this is one that you've got to pay attention to because sometimes you have the right thing to say, but in, is it necessary? Or can it wait till you're sitting down with a cup of coffee? And K, is it kind? Which, fellows, we often have a tendency to go, well, that sounds very soft. The word kind doesn't mean soft. It means lending somebody your strength. If they're in a world of hurt, and, 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 and maybe they're hurting themselves, the kindest thing you can do is like, let me give you some strength. I went through that. Got bloodied up by it. I've, I've, I've healed up. I want to help. That's being kind. It's not trying to live their life for them, but it's saying, let me use my strength to make you strong. So T-H-I-N-K it true is it helpful is it inspiring is it necessary is it kind just a very quick way to examine what you're posting okay third one and that is guard your heart guard your heart Amen. you may already be familiar with this it's this from Proverbs 4 23 it's a, a familiar phrase if you've been around church at all guard your heart it's actually more than just good dating advice for young women although it's been applied that way and I certainly would do that for young men and young women in Hebrew culture it was way more than that because whenever Hebrew, uh, uh, the, the Hebrew language, they don't have a separate concept for our heart and our mind. Whenever uh, the, the Hebrew language speaks of heart, it's talking about our soul. What we would in English say the thinking, feeling, deciding part of us. The thinking, feeling, um, deciding part of us. So if you look at this in terms of our mouth, guarding our mouth, guarding our hearts, guarding our thumbs... Your mouth and your thumbs are connected to your heart. Which is why Jesus said in Luke 6, he said, Whatever is in your heart overflows into your posting. I'm sorry, he said into your speech, but the point is still the same. You go, it's kind of like before posting. It's like you talking and then you say something and you go, Oh, I didn't mean to say that. Where'd that come from? <laughs> and anybody who knew the Bible would go like, it came straight out of your heart, Jesus said so. Out of the overflow of your heart, your mouth speaks. So don't go, (laughs) go back and get a right heart. But also don't miss this, that the heart flow, your thinking, deciding, feeling part of you, your heart flows both ways. When Jesus instructs us to guard, what he's saying is a guard is a gatekeeper. A guard is standing between what's out there that's probably got to be evaluated and what is loved and protected in here. Y'all with me? Yeah. Okay. You stand in the gap as a gatekeeper. You stand in the, gar- in the gap uh, between the things you protect and then everything else. And if you're doing a good job at being a gatekeeper, you only let in the things that pose no threat to the thing that you love. So you've got to, take that own at, got to take that very attitude with your own heart because the thinking, feeling, deciding part of you is very important. So carefully, don't take just what you're given, but carefully evaluate every behavior, every experience, every thought that you have because just because you have a thought doesn't make it a good thought. Just because it popped into your head doesn't make it right. Yeah, everybody needs to say amen because every one of us has some stupid thoughts sometimes. You've got to figure out what impact that outside influence or thought has on your thoughts as you've been thinking them, your feelings, your choices, your beliefs. And you basically say, is this beneficial or is it harmful? You say, this is so much work. If it was easy, everybody be doing it. But it's apparent. Very few people are doing it. Paul put it this way. 2 Corinthians, he says, take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. I'm sorry, thought- You you shall not pass until I evaluate you. you say, well, how do I actually do that? Let me show you in this next verse at least some part of the answer. It's not the whole thing, but you can get some good guidance. Proverbs, this is where it's taken from. Proverbs 4. I'm reading verses 23 through 27. Wise man said, guard your heart above all else. For it determines the very course or direction of your life. Here is what he says. Avoid all perverse talk. Go back to Ephesians 4. Say only things that are helpful. Avoid all the perverse talk. Stay away from corrupt speech. Corrupt means it's breaking down. It doesn't doesn't uphold truth. He says look straight ahead. Who are you following? Some political party? Are you following the next great... Trend, whoever blew up on the internet, you follow in Jesus. Keep your eyes looking straight ahead and fix your eyes on what lies before you. He says you've got to plan ahead. Mark out a straight path for your feet. Where do you want to wind up? You don't wind up because of intention. You wind up at your your, your destination because of your direction. Mark out a straight path for your feet and then stay on that path. Do not get sidetracked. Do not be uh, distracted. And that's why he says, keep your feet from following evil. Don't venture as close to the edge and the ledge as you possibly can. Y'all with me? Okay. I'm just telling you, this is just a fact of human nature. What you focus on in your thoughts is what you drift toward. And what you look at repeatedly is what you begin to look like. I'm sorry, babe. I got the winning deal on that one. That was very Valentine-ish, wasn't it? Ish. No, seriously, I know people who've literally lost their marriage because they drifted toward getting on Facebook and looking up all the old dying flames. Guarding your heart includes that kind of thing, includes so much more. I'm just saying... We don't deal with it quite at the same level as if we were in a metropolitan area, but it's still real. You've got to guard against materialism, consumerism, what the Bible calls greed. Because it's all structured. Did you know that 70% of the U.S. domestic product is consumer spending? There is a reason why today, of all days, advertisements will bombard us with eat this, wear this, wash with that, Uh, drive this, put me in your hair, and rinse me out and then do it all over again? Why? Because all the companies that are selling that, they would not exist if we don't keep going back and buying all that stuff. I would say you also need to guard your heart against things like comparing with other people. Not fair to compare. God created you to be you. Stop comparing uh, guard against competing, and I mean viciously competing with one another, to spur one another on to love and good deeds and say, hey, we can outdo that, that's one thing. But I'm just telling you, here's a subtle one, and I don't, I, don't, uh, uh, I'm not, I don't have an account on it, but I'm just telling you, I have noticed that one of the social media platforms that is very difficult for a lot of women, I'm just saying, because 70% of the people who subscribe to this one are women, is Pinterest. You go, that's a pretty good place. Yeah, I know somebody called it. It is the uh, repository of everything that is cute. (laughs) That's cool. Got a lot of great ideas, and I know people, it's not, not just a girl thing. What I'm saying is, you've got to guard your heart against constantly being exposed to their good idea or their good vacation or their good engagement or their you know gender reveal or their stuff because it's so easy to think well mine's nothing my life is very small and inadequate compared to them or it's a temptation to go look at what they put on pinterest they call that creative <laughs> we all did that easy you see what I'm saying? So easy to get puffed up. It's so it, it just don't do that. Don't do it. And I'm not singling out the ladies because guys, we fall to it into that that trap just as easily. It's so easy for a guy to get all y'all you know, all all. You know, I got better vehicles than you, man. Truck I'm driving. It's bigger, better, badder. Look at the toys I got. I just posted that on Facebook. Top that. I was like, I got the promotion loser. Or you get on there, it's like you can't do all those things because you don't make enough money. So you moan about all the stuff that you wish you had. Or you get cocky because you already had it before everybody else did. It's just, you got to guard your heart. Serious, strenuous business. There's a reason Paul told his friends in Philippians 4.8, he said, fix your thoughts on what is true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, admirable. He said, think about these things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Listen, as I take this home, because this is the home stretch right here. What I've told you today begins with Jesus, and it ends with Jesus. And I'm not just talking preacher speech. I'm saying the only way to have a brand new life is come to Jesus. He said so, and He's the only way to God. But the, also, the goal of this is that we become like Jesus. Imitate Jesus. If you want to know who you are, come to Jesus. To gain wisdom, to guide you, you come to God's Word. He is the Word of God. To learn and practice guarding your heart against lies and distractions and temptations, you've got to hang out with Jesus' followers who are pulling in the same God, Jesus' direction. That's how it works. Amen. Proverbs 13.20 says, walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with fools, get in trouble. Those are three godly guardrails taken from the life of Jesus. I'm going to come back at you next Sunday. I've got four more. But before we leave, i got to ask you, what are you going to do about what I've told you today? Because if we're not going to let it change us, then what's the point? What action are you going to take in response to the truth? Because you will respond one way or the other. (laughs) You say, no, I'm not. Just decided. You just responded. I tell you what, would you bow your head? I want to talk to you with your eyes closed. Just want you to think about some things at the soul level. Maybe your response is, I need to come to Jesus today for the very first time. I believe He has the words of life. I believe He is who my ambition should be for. That He is the one and only who can set me free from sin and and all of its consequences. And I would say to you, with your eyes closed, right there, you can surrender to Him in just a quiet prayer by just simply saying, Jesus... I do need you because you're the only one who can forgive me of my sin. And you also need to let him be the Lord or the leader of your life. Meaning, you're going to have to restructure, relearn. Maybe it is that you need more wisdom. In other words, if anything stuck out to you today, it is... Lord, I need your strength to help me think before I post. And I'm telling you straight up, it's right there in what James wrote. He said, God has promised to give wisdom to everyone who sincerely asks for it. And, I, and then the word there that's most important is sincerely, because you have to let go of what you think and say, God, you need to replace this with what you, Lord, what you think. Of course, just like any form of recovery, you have to take the first step. And the first step is to step out of denial that you have a problem. You have to be able to say to God, God, I have discovered painfully that my way is a dead end. But your life, your way, it always leads to life. So I'm surrendering. I surrender. I say to you, you are more powerful and more wise than me, and so I'm going to surrender control to you. Would you please show me the way? Church, in these tender moments, do not lose track of what I'm saying. Somebody, either listening online or in person, I'm pretty confident, needs to make a radical adjustment in this whole area of what we've been talking about, and that is, in order to better guard your heart and your life, You need a fresh start. You need a clean social media slate. And as outrageous as this sounds in the time in which we live, I am asking God to give you the ability to consider and to follow through, to give you the strength to go on a two-week social media smart device fast in which you lay it all down again. Let him speak to you. Let him reform in you. And then you pick that up, maybe. But when you pick it up, you're saying, God, I have allowed this stuff to consume my life. It has too much control over me. But the control that I really want to happen in my life is I need your control of my life. So help me to lay this down so that I can lift you up. Say to him, if and when I return to this, would you please show me how to use it? Is a powerful tool, a very powerful tool for living and loving like you, Jesus. Because it begins and it ends with you. Heavenly Father, would you please take these feeble words of mine. Help them to land in people's hearts and minds where they need to. And then Lord, as that happens, give us the courage by the power of your Holy Spirit to actually do what you ask us to do. And help us to believe that you will be true. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.